Welcome, everybody, to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work, guys. I, uh, I think a lot, and I write a lot, and I talk a lot about what we put into our minds and why it matters so much. Uh, because it does matter. It matters a lot. We, uh, we are the thoughts we choose to have. In a lot of ways, uh, and and that's why I want to bring on and talk to our guest today. Uh, our guest is Jeff Thorin. He is um, he is an author at his uh, regular column for Today's Veterinary Business, which is where I was reading some of his stuff. Um, he is the founder of Gifted Leaders and established executive and team coaching company. He's a clinical assistant professor of veterinary communication at Midwestern University in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, the list goes on and on. I've known Jeff for years and years and years, and he is uh, he is a thinker when it comes to positive psychology and how we choose to look at our profession. And that's what we talk about today. So guys, without further ado, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Thorne. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Andy. Glad to be here. Oh, my, my, my pleasure to have you on. You know, I've I've known you for years, and I've always really enjoyed our conversations. And uh, you know, you've you've done so much sort of facilitation that I've seen over the years. And you're always uh, you've always been working on you were working on communication before communication was cool <laughs> in vet in vet medicine. That's not that's not take that the right way. Don't take that as, <laughs> as Jeff Thorne is old. Uh, take that as Jeff Thorne was ahead of the, was ahead of, was the ahead of my time. That's exactly right. You are, uh, you, for those who don't know, you are the founder of Gifted Leaders, which is an executive and team coaching company. You are a clinical assistant professor of veterinary communications at Midwestern University uh, in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, You have, you are board certified coaching specialist uh, for leadership and team development. Uh, You do a lot of, uh, you do a lot of things. And uh, I, I've been wrestling with something that's very much in your wheelhouse. And so I'm really glad that you agreed to come on and let me, let me pick your brain a little bit. All right. Sounds good. So here, here's, here's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I'm really big on this kick right now of, of the stories that we tell ourselves matter. And, and I am looking at this from a wellness and mental health standpoint. And uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely not taking a toxic positivity position or the everything's a panacea if you just choose to be happy idea. Yeah. But I really believe that um, if we want to have a healthy profession, if we as individuals want to have a healthy career, the stories that we tell ourselves matter. The, mm-hmm. the thoughts that we choose to allow ourselves to have about our job, it really matters. And I, I am deeply concerned when I look at the media and at social media, oh, and no. uh, the the voices that get that get amplified there are generally they're 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 uh, there's chicken little sky is falling voices in some cases. In other cases, it's just people are having legitimate problems or, or really legitimate struggles. But those voices get so amplified, and there's so many people who have yeah. legitimate struggles <clears throat> that if you look at the profession, it's very easy to feel that everything is bad. Everyone is struggling. The profession has set us up to fail and to struggle. And there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It, everything is darkness. And I, and I go, I'm sorry. That's just that. I don't believe that that's real. And I, I, I'm trying to, to understand, I guess, 
how we choose our thoughts. Am I, am I, am I right on this? And, and what do we as a profession do about that? So, so anyway, that's to sort of set the table <laughs> and say, thank you, thank you. Thank you for coming, Jeff. Yeah. Here's a tiny little problem tiny that I want to present to you. Uh, Should, I, I think we'll have this done in five minutes and we'll be out of here. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, uh, five hours uh, would probably yeah. not even start to <laughs> start to scratch the surface. But I, I, th- I agree. And I think when as you were uh, kind of framing uh, your challenge, uh, which is not just your challenge, obviously it's my challenge, it's our profession's challenge right now. Uh, I'm thinking back to when I first uh, started to uh, get into coach training. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a quote, which I will not remember perfectly, by Viktor Frankl that says something along the lines of, um, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies you know, our power to choose and really um, lies our happiness. Yeah. And uh, it, it speaks to the idea, the important power of choice. And uh, when stuff happens... We can choose to tell one story, or we can choose maybe uh, some different stories. So I think you're exactly right. There's, you know, that got me thinking, uh, amongst lots of other things that I read and was exposed to as part of that training. Uh, the questions we ask, the stories we tell, uh, whatever our narrative is, uh, what we focus on becomes our reality. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, is, you know, I think what you're alluding to is there's a lot of focus on what's not working, and um, when we focus on what's not working, we see more and more of what's not working. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, if, uh, and, it's, and you're right, it's not about being Pollyanna. It's not about saying, Oh, all, right. all is good. No, nothing's wrong. I'm just gonna blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm just gonna ignore it all. It's really about acknowledging that there's maybe some challenges, but focus, choosing to focus more on what's, what's, you know, what can you be grateful for in that challenge? What's there to yeah. learn in that challenge instead of asking what's wrong, who's to blame, which is our, our predominant media, right? It's really about, yeah. it's your fault, Andy, you you did this. And if you just did, yeah. do what I think, then everything would be better. Yeah, th- this person is this person is making my job hard. This person is is awful or, you know, or, or, or they're making this bad. And, and, right. and I'm I'm being negatively affected by them and they should stop doing this thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. right, externalizing it, and not not taking responsibility for the fact that it's a it's a dance, right? It's a, a two way street. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think um, you know, focusing on blame, focusing on what the other person is doing wrong, just keeps you in that space. And so there's a way to shift out of that. Actually, um, you know, you, you really want to get to the point where you're asking, what's what's here for me to learn? What is what am I being called to step into or step up to? that maybe I haven't uh, been, uh, I've been ignoring or I've uh, not been paying attention to. So really um, shifting to more of a, what can I learn from this? What's useful about this? What little tiny thing related to this challenge might I be grateful for? Uh, what mm-hmm. strength internally can I build on? Uh, those are all, you know, those are all part of uh, a coaching process really uh, where we all have issues and we all have challenges and we need to figure out how to kind of shift into um, getting more of what we want. Yeah, unpack that for me a little bit when you talk about what what strength can I build upon? Like th- that's an interesting turn of phrase. What, what do you mean when you say that? Well, it's it could be a lot of things, right? It could be um, oftentimes when there's challenges, we get lost in the external pressures. We get lost in the external expectations. We kind of lose ourselves. 
And I think a big part of moving forward in the age of uncertainty that we're in is really being clear on who we are, what what um, what our gifts are. So it could be it could be certain uh, passions that we have for certain things. It could be specific gifts, strengths, um, things that we're really good at. It could be values. It could be things that are that are purposeful and and valuable to us or important to us. So you know, qualities of being. Um, mm. I think that's often a place that we forget about because we're just responding to again all this external stuff and trying to just um, you know make it go away or whatever we're doing. But um, yeah, coming back to a place of strength, a centered place, right? A, a place yeah. of strength, and we, we all we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. Um, uh, we need to embrace all of that. I don't know. I don't know if that's getting us off track, but uh, no, no, it, it, it was definitely not. I feel like this is the groundwork into the larger question, right? So when we say our thoughts matter, you go, well, where do, where do these thoughts come from? You know, what is if we're not going to be Pollyannish because that's what we're not we're talking about. We're, if you're not going to just pretend that everything is great, but instead you want to have some uh, a productive mindset that's based in reality. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people. I guess that was going to be sort of my question mm-hmm. to you next. Was it was how do you get there? And I feel like you're you're starting to lay the groundwork of that and sort of say, well, if you're going to build a healthy perspective, it has to be built on something of substance. Yeah, and so knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing your values, knowing your knowing your weaknesses. Um, that's that feels like fairly firm stru- substrate on which I can build a grounded perspective. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well said. I don't know that I can add much to that other than that is the you know often the work that I think we forget to do, and um, it, because we you know as a profession, uh, you know you know you and I know as veterinarians, right? It's really about competing to get into vet school, and it's about um, basically performing and developing skills and competencies it's a lot about doing and i don't remember at least in my training and i'm trying to bring that into what i'm doing at midwestern when the communications program is Mm -hmm. we need to balance that with well what what who's the person that's doing that's bringing this right what's what are the unique gifts what are the the what's the difference that i can uniquely make that you can't uh and then how do we put our collective gifts together for the greater good uh, we tend to, I think, get kind of boxed into it's it's a solo. It's right we're we're all doing our own little heroic um, thing, and uh, you know it all depends on us. But really, it, we need to depend more on each other, which is one of the challenges we're seeing in society right now. Is there's a lot of polarization, and and people aren't appreciating each other and the gifts that different people bring, and uh, are not even open to listening to that. So. Yeah. I, I like I like your point a lot about the the way that doctors are educated. Um I, I do I do believe that we're we're all brought into this. It is a purely academic system for the most part. You know, and, yeah. and academic achievement is what is rewarded and it's getting it's getting the right answer. It's doing uh the right thing on the test. And then we're kind of turned out into this profession that does not have those black and white answers. And no one comes along and gives you a gold star. And there is no right answer when the client is unwilling to do the quote unquote best thing. Mm-hmm. There is no right answer. It's only what is possible here in this situation with these very specific circumstances. And I don't know that we're, we're really trained for that. And so now, now that you're saying this, I go, uh, what is the best training for that? 
again, I, I think you're right on to say it's this, it's this base, this understanding of ourselves and our values and our skills and our self-worth and our weaknesses. Yeah. So you, you're, so you're, as a clinical professor, you're, you're working with veterinary students now. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you help them start to unpack that for themselves? I think there's a lot of us who have probably not had even had these thoughts. And, and honestly, I, I know, I, I talk to the most gifted and talented and wonderful people and I'll say to them, you know, what do you see as your strengths and your weaknesses? And they, and they look at me with just, just blank, a blank stare uh, of they're like, you want me to tell you what I'm, what I'm uniquely good at or what, you know, what I, what my specific patterns of struggle are that I can tend to encounter over and over. And I say, yes. And they're like, I, I, I can't, I have no idea. Yeah. How, how do you help people start to have this discovery? Oh man, Andy, this is, yeah. Now, now we no, it's huge. It is a huge question. A yeah. lifelong journey is what it is. But, 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 but yeah. for people who just go, I've, I've not, I, I don't know how to begin to understand myself this way. Uh, how, wh- where would you even point these people? Well, there's a lot there, obviously. Uh, and I think I want to come back to, you, we're talking about kind of being very clear on who you are, what your gifts are, what the, what difference you want to make in the world. And and then there's also, and I don't want to lose uh, what you brought up before about being comfortable not knowing, which is very, like you say, in our academic background, that is a very uh, challenging thing for us to be able to go into a place. But I think they go hand in hand. It's being clear on who I am and then being able to go into a situation that's uncertain, um, that's volatile, um, what, that I can't control, and there is no right answer, at least not one that I can provide. It may be, there might be an answer that collectively we can come up with. Uh, so I think it's a combination of both those things. So on the front side, I'll come back to that because that's the question yeah. you just asked. And then, then this not knowing side is really about being present. I think it's about mindfulness it's about developing that capacity so we can we can circle back around to that but i think to answer your original question uh self-awareness well number one is you know you and i are still working on right we haven't figured it out yeah exactly (laughs) and uh you know we have our blind spots uh we you know unconscious biases we have all those things and it's really it's um i think number one it's being open to constantly learning about yourself and then, of course, there's a bazillion ways to do that. Uh, re- reading books, uh, getting a coach or um, a therapist, if that's um, something that's that's needed. Um, it's, um, you know, lots of assessments. Um, there's a great assessment called the VIA Survey of Character Strengths that you can Google. And um, that is a um, model that uh, came out of the University of Pennsylvania, Martin Seligman's work. Uh, that's basically um, it looks at kind of key core values that we all mm-hmm. we all share, but we all emphasize and um, prioritize in different ways. So knowing, hey, this value is really important to me. This is going to be something that's important in any situation I'm in to tr- to honor that. That can be very useful. Strengths Finder. Uh, from- I was going to ask you about yeah. that one. That that's one that I've really liked. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty easy to get your head around. I I, th- I found that to be a great introduction. I, I you know I I first did it probably 15 years ago, and I I still go. And those are still my strengths, and I still go back to them yeah. and say, yeah, that's that's what it, that's what I'm good at. Because those are the things that you, that yeah historically, if if you can play to those strengths, you're going to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing more. Uh, and you're going to be able to contribute in a way that is more f- most fulfilling for you. Yeah, I'll put links to this stuff uh, down in the show notes for people who are uh, who are interested in checking them out. 
Yeah, and actually, we, the the um, uh, today's veterinary business column uh, that Trey Cutler and I co-write. Um, uh, we're at the next article, I think that'll come out, which is probably a couple months down the road, um, or a subsequent article anyway, is going to have um, some information along these lines too. Cool. Those, yeah. Some links to those uh, those two specific assessments. Yeah. Yeah, today's veterinary business. Uh, if you guys don't read it, I, I'm so impressed with the with the writers that they line up. Uh, and I, that's, I, I I don't say that because I'm one of them. Although I am I am one of them as well. But uh, I pick it up and read it. Uh, and just you know, make sure they make, they spell my name right. And uh, and then I am always sucked yeah. into uh, to the other the other columns that are there. So it is. Uh, I don't think that that publication gets enough enough spotlight. There's just such good stuff in there. Yeah. Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick with a couple of updates over on the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, which is the other podcast that I host. Uh, Stephanie Goss and I are taking a question from the mailbag as we do. And somebody's asking us, hey, what do we do about my technician who seems bound and determined to take risks? They work with pets that should not be worked with without sedation. And they insist on just getting things done and it often puts themselves and others at risk and this person has been bitten uh, multiple times and this is a real problem and we talk to them they don't want to hear it and they act like everybody else is being soft uh steph and i unpack it if you're interested in hearing that head over to uncharted veterinary podcast i'll put a link down below in the show notes for that specific episode in live event news over at the uncharted veterinary conference guys on february 17th we have a workshop called what vet med can learn from improv with dr adam little this is all about learning the fundamentals of improv theater and how it can apply not just to comedy but to practice and to life that is february 17th it is from 7 to 9 p.m eastern time it is free to uncharted members it's 99 dollars to the public i and stephanie goss are running one of our strategic planning workshops that's on february 23rd it is on loading the bus and evaluating your employees if you're like i love these people i don't exactly know what to do with them and i'm not sure how to uh, decide what to train them on or how to motivate them or even who i should really celebrate and why uh, evaluating your employees is a critical skill and stephanie and i are breaking it down breaking it down it's uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on February 23rd. Uh, again, for the Uncharted members, it is uh, $99 to the public, and you can check that out. And the last thing I'm going to throw is uh, if you want to get real live, like live and in person, the Uncharted Veterinary Conference is live and in person April 21st to the 23rd in Greenville, South Carolina. Come and be part of the tribe. Come and be part of the community. It is community-based learning. It's not like anything else that's out there. It's not like other conferences. I promise you have not been to something like this before. But get business education, get training, get your career and your practice going where you want to go with other people who uh, who hear you and who can work with you and who can help you get the exact things that you need to get done. So, guys, that's enough of that stuff. Uh, anyway, I'd love to see you at summer, all those events. Let's get back into this episode. So let's circle back. Uh, talk to me a little bit about about being present and mindfulness. What does that look like in in the in the day in the clinic, right? I don't have time to be present. I'm getting swamped in cases. And I, I think those things are, are, are almost, almost counter to each other. But, but yeah. I, I, I hear a lot of people who are too busy to be mindful. <laughs> well, you know, mindfulness, as, as you know, is really about just being in the present moment um, without judgment, 
and just ex being with what is right not trying to change it or do anything about it but just kind of ex it's really about acceptance mm -hmm. which as, as you and i know with our improv backgrounds uh there's uh, a key tenant in improv but really about saying yes right it's just being open yeah. to what's there and um whether it's whether it's uh useful or not useful or uh, desired or not desired it's really starts with just being open to it and not resisting it working with it versus against it so yeah. i think that alone can be very useful in a busy practice setting because oftentimes i i know for me uh, i get i get triggered i get reactive i start resisting things i start pushing back mm -hmm. i start react you know emotionally reacting and not in a good way and those things can really get in the way of of success interpersonally yes. uh, in many other ways. So it, I, I think it, it starts with kind of that mindset. There are some, obviously some practices of mindfulness of breathing is one of the ones we hear the most about, um, but just um, getting used to just being present in the moment and not letting time travel, which could be, um, you know, catastrophizing what's gonna happen and coming up all kinds of stories around that. Um, and or replaying the past and kind of getting kind of you know getting stuck in running old tapes over and over and again. So it's really about kind of being able to get rid of some of that stuff that's not useful and just focus on what's right there. Yeah, and no, respond uh, accordingly. I, so back to the back to the quote about uh, between stimulus and response, there's a space. So it's really about being becoming more aware of that space and then being able to be a choice as far as what you do with that space. And not just yeah. not just operating off autopilot, which might take you down a road that's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah the 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 book that I I sort of stumbled onto that I I think is so great for for people who are in practice and kind of feeling overwhelmed and, and they they're not really familiar with what it means to be mindful or or, or the science behind it or things like that. It, it's uh it's called Unwinding Anxiety and it's mm. by uh, Judge Judson Brewer. Oh, and so yeah. it's it's written yeah. for people who have who have anxiety. Yeah. And and so I I, I sort of picked it up in, in at a time when uh you know COVID was hitting and and cases are blowing up and and people are you know we're trying to see people in their cars and some people don't want to be there and I was like, well, you know, it's and, and it's sort of a very science-based perspective to to dealing with uh with high stress situations. Yeah. And I, I picked it up and honestly Jeff it, it was the best presentation of mindfulness at from a very pragmatic yeah. standpoint that I, I've ever seen. So I really, yeah. if you're someone feeling overwhelmed, I really love it. As as far as um as far as just coping strategies, working with a team and working in vet medicine, you, you put your finger on one of the two biggest ones in my life is is improv comedy. <laughs> and uh I I, I it, improv is one of those things where you do it and what you don't realize is that you're building muscles that you use for so many other things. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, yeah. I found a number of things like that in my life where I go, I'm here and I'm doing this thing and I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. And oh, by the way, I happen to get a lot better at other things I use all the time. I mean, just basic communication, relationship building, all of those things. Okay. So uh, so improv comedy is is uh, making up theater on on the spot for those who are unfamiliar. And, uh, and Jeff and I sort of picked it up at different times and. And just the idea of walking out, especially to be, being on stage, I think that replicates the pressure of being in the exam room quite nicely, yeah. uh, where you go, oh, yeah. I'm being watched while right. I yeah. do this. And, and the words that I say matter, and I'm, I'm being judged on what I say. And, and that replication of that, that feeling, I know they're very different, um, 
But in the same way, it, that pressure is the same for me. And I think that that really helped me get more comfortable in the exam room and working in uncertainty. I don't know what the other person is going to say or where this is going to go, but I'm not going to resist them. I'm going to lean into where they go. Exactly. And, you know, and ultimately, I believe that we'll get to a good place. And I've just found that that skill and practicing it, doing it, getting in, so, so valuable. Yeah. The, uh, the other resource for me that I, would, that I recommend uh, to young vets all the time is Toastmasters International, mm. the, the public speaking group. And so uh, Toastmasters, if you, if you Google it, you'll find their website and they have chapters everywhere. But it's a public speaking thing and, it, and it's fun. You go and, and you prepare a little speech and you do it and, and you get feedback on it and you give feedback to other people on their speaking. But I will just tell you as a young professional starting out, whether you're a manager, CSR, you know, technician, being comfortable formulating your thoughts and then communicating the things that are important clearly and concisely. Yeah. It's a skill that you yeah. just don't learn otherwise. Man, I, um, that, that investment paid back in spades. It yeah. really did. Yeah, a couple things that come to mind back to um, kind of the awareness piece. So you mentioned the Judson Brewer book. I would also add to that list, Search Inside Yourself by Jade Meng Tan, who is a, I don't know if he's still with Google, but he's a Google engineer. And he basically writes a lot about emotional self-awareness, which again, in our profession, um, you know, we're, 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 he we're heady people, right? We're mm -hmm. rational, we're trained kind of in left brain kinds of stuff. The right brain emotional stuff is a little bit uh, uh, less, we're less familiar with that. And so this book is a nice way, again, evidence-based that kind of bridges that gap and helps us realize uh, the importance of being aware of um, our emotions as data, our thoughts are data, our emotions are data, and then how does that all fit together? So that, and then a, a, a plus, plus one for your comments about improv, there's a great book there <clears throat> that got me into thinking about actually doing, get, getting on stage, and it's called Do Improvise by Robert Poynton, P-O-Y-N-T-O-N, that just kind of connects the dots between the basic principles of improv and how to show up and be present in the moment with what's there um, that, you know, and not, not knowing, not being able to control things. Uh, those are so incredibly important. And then other, two other points on improv is you talked yeah. about the exam room and the exam room is all about relationship centered care. So it's all about partnership and uh, improv is all about the ensemble, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. you as this, as the, you're up there with a group, right? Um, the group succeeds based on everyone contributing versus not having one hero kind of take the, the scene and, and, and make it funny. Right. Um, so it's, it's really an ensemble sport. And that's what uh, being in the room with a client is. That's what uh, working as a team in a veterinary practice yeah. is all about. So those things all blend. And then it's not about being funny. It's not about being on stage and performing. Mm -hmm. It's about being present and just offering your gift in the moment as it's appropriate. So yeah. I, I, people kind of think, oh, I can do improv because, you know, Wayne Brady goes up there and they give him a, a song title and a genre and he makes up yeah. words on the spot. I could never do that. Well, no, no I could never do that. Uh, yeah. However, I can be I can learn to get more comfortable being in the moment uh, with what's what the client's giving me, which may not be what I want the client to give me and uh, being able to respond in a way that's in, you know, in the spirit of partnership and the greater good for me, the client and the pet. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to put uh, links to all the all the resources we just talked about down in the show notes. We'll, we'll have that. I want, I want to switch gears a little bit here. Um, 
in your in your coaching business, uh, when you're working with with professionals, you're working with veterinarians. Uh, are are there are there recurring problems that you are seeing a lot today? Are there are there things that you you feel like are on the upswing as far as what people are wrestling with and how they're wrestling? I, I guess I'm sort of looking mm-hmm. for for common perspective struggles that that doctors uh, or, or technicians are having. Yeah, you know, it's all individual. Um, I would I would say that the challenges that people face are probably typical of the culture that we're, you know, the challenges that our culture are facing. And I think as a pro- as a profession, obviously, uh, one of the big things right now is staff shortages and um, having to change and not and being able to to do that effectively. Yeah. So pivoting, um, being more responsive and adaptable, uh, whereas because COVID basically forced that. So yeah, um, a I, lot of those, I love the old saying: uh, people people want change; they don't want to change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, I found this like, oh yeah, we're all ready for something different, uh, but I don't want to. I don't. Yeah, want you to go change. first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, it's really kind of, I would say, Andy, it's a reflection of just, you know, some of the, the things that we're facing as a profession. Certainly burnout is is an issue. I think, you know, there are some serious things as, a, you know, again, uh, what we focus on becomes a reality, but we don't mm-hmm. want to, we don't want to just brush aside the fact that um, it's challenging for new grads to come in and, and um, meet the demands um, yeah. uh, to work at a pace that uh, some of us that have been in practice uh, expect, um, uh, be, and I think there is more of a, a need to balance being and doing. Yeah, and so all these things are kind of all all coming together, and you know, different people have different things that are important to them. Uh, but it's uh, the there there's just a myriad of of struggles, and a lot of it comes down to just being open to having a conversation and talking about well, what what do we want, right? Again, shifting mm-hmm. uh, not. And shifting the conversation away from, well, this sucks and this isn't working, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when will it end? To well, what would we what would we want to create together, and how would we do that, and how would we use each of our individual gifts to contribute to that? Uh, the conversation, I think, is overall. You know, I'm kind of straying away from your original question, but no, no, that's fine. Uh, the conversation, I think. Um, you know, in coaching, the conversation again, it's about the narrative, right? And and what do you want that narrative to be? I think, look, in a larger scale, in the profession, what you're doing is great because you're bringing up this idea of is the conversation we're having helpful, right? Or is it? Oh, yeah. is it keeping us stuck in the in the place that we don't want to be stuck in? Yeah, I mean that, that you put your finger right on it. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly my concern. Is I see good people working very hard uh, to try to make the profession better and i go are is this the way that we need to work like yeah. I, I you know it, yeah is are we working on the right thing to move us to move us forward and, and again, I, I don't i don't have the answer it's, it's really deeply kind of what i'm searching for yeah so, and it will involve change and it will involve mm-hmm. us you know we've been pretty comfortable as a profession we've been very successful as a profession uh the world's changing around us uh the workplace is changing as far as what people want out of it um, we're all going to have to be open to um, building something maybe a little different together yeah. that uh, um, hasn't been the norm in the past. All right. So here comes the hard question. <laughs> what what does that look like to you, Jeff Thorne? Like, where, where do we go from here? Well, how much time do I have to respond? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you think about that? Um, I well, I think it's been said. It's really first being open to um, the cheese has been moved. To a quote, a very old uh, a management book about uh, yeah. you know having to be open to change. I think it also means again. This is from my perspective. It means a kind of us redefining leadership and it not being top down, it not being one group kind of controlling things. It really has to be more of a collective approach. We need to we need to um, create a dialogue that everyone is equipped to have where we can we can talk to each other without, you know, going into one camp versus the other. Uh, there's just so many things. Uh, and but it, there there needs to be kind of a collective um, dialogue that we all have together that moves us forward versus, you know, expecting the AVMA to come up with answers or, um, you know, uh, having putting an un, unnecessary burden on practice managers and practice owners to have all the answers. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a so good point. It really, I think it comes down to, we, you know, this is something we all have a stake in. Yeah. And so how do we get all the stakeholders to talk together about what could be right not what is and how do we preserve you know our old um sacred cow ways of doing things yeah but what what needs you know what what do we want and then how do we move towards that yeah no that that makes a lot of sense yeah. i i guess one of the things i, I sort of hear you say here um you know the idea that someone up the chain is going to make us happy I think that's deeply flawed. I yeah. think that's a recipe for ongoing frustration. Yeah. Uh, like the AVMA is not going to make us happy. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I do think that there is, it's balance, right? Like I, I would say that practice leadership, practice owners, practice managers, they do have responsibility to provide uh, a fertile ground yeah. for a healthy, satisfying mm -hmm. career. Like they do have power that the individual doesn't have. Uh, there, there's the, the, the struggle I see here, right, is um, I see some people who, put too much emphasis on the practice owner, practice manager, medical director and say, well, they're not making, they're not making me happy or they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not, they're not generating the culture that's forcing me or putting, uh, yeah. to be happy or putting me in a position to be happy every day. Exactly. And, and I really do think that that's an easy choice to make as, as we think, well, the people higher up the chain, they have the power, they need to make, they need to make this happen for me. And, and I think that's a problem. The other problem though that I do see is, um, the idea that personal boundaries are the answer to everything. I don't buy that either. I, I, I don't, I think going to yeah. the, going to the technician and saying, oh, you're burned out and stressed out and tired because you don't have good personal boundaries. That's, that's ridiculous. When the person doesn't have options, they don't have agency. They're following the policies that have been put forward. They're working through their lunch break, not because they really want to, <laughs> because that is the unspoken expectation that's being put on them. Yeah. And so I, the idea that, oh, personal boundaries and it's all on the individual, I don't buy that either. But I, I think that that balance is really important. I think the more personal responsibility we take for our own happiness and our own position, I, I think the better off we're going to be. Yeah. And part of that personal responsibility is being honest about where you're working. And if you're working in a place that's not going to allow you to be happy or successful or it's not going to take care of you, you, you need to use your personal agency and you need to go somewhere else because yeah. it's pretty easy to find a job right now. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the things you're talking about are symptoms of kind of the, the, traditional parent-child dynamic, you know, leader, follower, uh, mm -hmm. boss, subordinate, uh, that kind of comes with the territory is the kids basically do what they're told or not <laughs> and yeah. get in trouble. Uh, and they depend on the, the parental unit to make all the decisions and 
but we need to level the up play, playing field, which is I think what you're what you're talking about and what you're calling for is uh, it needs to be an adult adult dialogue and uh, more of a, a level a level playing field and a level conversation. But with sure. but I do agree with you that the position positional leaders have the responsibility of of facilitating that process. That's why they're in that role is really not to be the boss and tell people what to do, but to facilitate the conversations that often don't happen that need to happen to address some of the challenges that we're facing and to also, I think, be someone that uh, uh, is appreciative, is um, modeling the idea of what you focus on becomes a reality, right? Yeah. So not bring, not centering the conversation around what's broken and who's to blame, but more around, here's our collective challenge team. Uh, what do we want to do about that? And what do we, what will each of us commit to, right? It's really about, like you said, personal responsibility. Yeah, Jeff, where yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? Where can they learn more about uh, about your sort of your teaching and, and, and writing, and, uh, and and where can they dig deeper into this conversation if they want? Well, number one, as you mentioned, today's very business. So mm-hmm. the uh, Go with the Flow column that uh, Trey Cutler and I co-authored would be a great place because there's a lot of content along these lines of of what we've been talking about today. They can certainly uh, just check out check out giftofleaders.com. Um, and that will provide a link to like my LinkedIn profile. If they want to reach out directly, just have them um, email me at jeff at giftedleaders.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here, my friend. Yep. Thank you. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. As always, the best, kindest, nicest thing you can possibly do for me if you like the episode is to leave an honest review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast episodes. Uh, It's how people find the show. It gives me some uh, guidance about what people like. Uh, It just, and it keeps me encouraged to keep doing the episode. So uh, I really appreciate it. Guys, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you soon.